0: Hey, Mum, come and have a look at this. I've got something to show you.
1: Oh, God, what do you want now, Arthur? Go on, read it out. Mummy's Boy with Arthur Hill. A brand new podcast starring Arthur Hill
0: and his mother, Lise. What the bloody hell is this? I've signed us up to do a podcast. See, this is the contract. Oh, Arthur.
2: It's Mummy's Boy.
0: Mummy's Boy is my new podcast where I head back home each week to catch up with my mum and help bring her
2: into the 21st century. Listen to Mummy's Boy every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by The Viking, Dave Darking. To be more like Dave, go to Patreon, search for The Joe Marla Show, and grow the show. Ah, it all goes back to Mandela. All roads (laughs) lead to Mandela. Ah, free Nelson Mandela.
2: You're listening to The Marley Show. A little bit of me and a little bit more of Joe. Your van always looks really light, Joe. Just remind me, is it it a transporter or a caravel?
0: It's a caravel, and it's because Mm. I've got four floodlights positioned around it just to Mm. improve the lighting, because I thought we also recorded um, the video, but we haven't recorded the video once in the last... (laughs) Four months, so I don't know why I'm still paying copious amounts of money to rent these uh, floodlights just to have around my Caravel.
2: It picks out your cheekbones. though.
0: I haven't seen my cheekbones in about I'd say oh, eleven years. Daisy often asked me. She said, "What, what are you going to do when you uh, when you retire?" And I, I say to her, "What do you mean? What am I going to do?" She went, "You know, like physically." And you, I could see the
2: fear. She's worried, isn't she? Yeah, she's going to think you're going to bloat. Because
0: you know, what like what are you going to do? Like, what sort of form of exercise are
2: you going to do? In her head, she's thinking 18 stone, 22 stone, 30 stone. She's scrolling through all the possibilities. She's
0: worried about the bloat. And I said, no, I, I really enjoy training. You know, it helps with my mental health, but I really enjoy training as well. It makes me feel good. And so I'll definitely train. And she's like, yeah, but will you get, like, are you still going to be as big as you are? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, muscly? And she was like, no, no, I said big. Um, I said, I don't know. There's part of me that would like to get down to your size, Tom, see if I could actually run for longer than I don't know five k. Is that a lot?
2: Well, it depends where you're coming from. If you've never run five k before, it is.
0: Where are you coming from with that then? Because that's clearly a tee up for phew, fucking very little for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a bloody warm up. That's
2: what the that's what you teed it up for. Go on. Now what I was going to say was I wouldn't fixate on the distance. Like if it's five k, but you're running it very slowly, it's less tiring and less impressive than if you're doing 100 metres in the time of Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt was not less of an athlete because he never ran more than 400 metres.
0: No, I like how you've tried wanging that one. You've said so much that it's perplexed me and confused me and I I haven't got a choice but to go, yeah, shall we talk about the sleep expert?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we've got a sleep expert on
0: today, Joe. Oh, fuck, I haven't even done the start. Hang on. Hello. Hello no don't want to use that one. Hello. And welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marla and this is Tom Fordyce.
2: Thank you Joe you join me in my top bedroom. I have the duvet behind me as you can see over my shoulder. I've shut the door. There are children Joe playing downstairs unsupervised at present. Back to the studio.
0: Thank you Tom. I just need to make a call. Uh Dace, have you got the number for NSPCC? <laughs> yep. We need to report that uh
2: Wonderful. How was your Easter, Tom? Mistake I made, Joe. Don't know if Daisy does this. When you say to Daisy, we doing, do you want much for Easter? And she goes, nah, it's, nah you're right. If you take those words at face value, that is a massive error. And I made that error.
0: Oh, Maggie, obviously, I've told you before Maggie last Easter threw up everywhere. The beard vomit. Yeah. And that's actually scarred her a little bit. Ah because after the easter egg hunt we did around the garden which daisy makes too easy she puts them in places they can see i'm like no 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 you need to like hide them under the caravan not like just on the yeah. wheel arch or just on the gravel they're like no they have to work for it and she's like christ's sake we'll, we'll be out here for hours i was like yeah but well, that's the point they could just be out here for hours we would go <laughs> in put telly on shall we um so then we've sat down divvying it all out on the table and then maggie was like i'm not going to eat this one because you could, I could see the panic in her face she's like i don't want to throw up in your beard anymore And I'm like, oh
2: maggie that is
0: so kind and thoughtful you don't want to projectile vomit all your
2: chocolate in my beard this year and i just thought what a star what an absolute star see that is the difference between girls and boys because jasper had been bang up for it
0: oh jasper was nicking everyone's and then felix yeah. was he had at one point he had the whole egg you know the big egg <laughs> that you unwrapping in the foil just in both hands, it was bigger than his head, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm happy as Larry, just chewing the fuck out of this." It was good. It was good. Um, you you look a little bit peaky, Tom. What, have you had your jab or something?
2: I've had my jab. Yeah, they've clearly in Nutsford, they're rolling it out to the under 35s. So must have had some spares. So <laughs> yeah, I've had <laughs> I've had my first one. What's it feel like? Did it hurt? Did the actual jab hurt? Or how are you with injections? Because. I always think if you look at the needle it's worse. Yeah. If you think needle you're like, "Oh my god." If you think I've just brushed against a twig while walking through the woods, it doesn't hurt as much. Do you know what I mean?
0: I've never sat there and gone, "Oh, I'm, I'm walking through a lovely forest and oh, I've just brushed against a thorn." Ooh, And that I've never thought that. I've I've always sat on the bed. The doctor's gone. Where is it? Where do you need inject it? Yeah, inject that. And then I'll look away and then I'll grab the bed as hard as I can yeah and be like oh good over and still waiting for it and then it comes in and I'm like oh and every time I'm like oh that's pathetic isn't it but but then soon numbs and you've been, what's this, you've binned me off. I'm not big time enough for you, apparently. And now you're hanging out with big Wossie.
2: Oh, listen, this was just, this is for a different show, Joe. Like, this is just, I wasn't hanging out with Wossie. We had him on the show. We had him on We Didn't Start the Fire, which is a podcast I know you've enjoyed. I have enjoyed it, but, like, just stop plugging it
0: on here. Like, you plug
2: it God knows how many times. Like, yeah,
0: We Didn't Start the Fire. It's fantastic. I
2: really do enjoy it, but fucking hell. The weird thing is, when you listen to We Didn't Start the Fire, an excellent podcast you should listen to, there's loads of Joe Mars show plugs all over it. Uh, why was John, why did you get Jonathan Ross on, on? What what part did he do? So as you know, Joe, we didn't start the fire. Oh, for Christ's sake! Joel's number one, smash it and go through it, lyric by lyric, to do a pop culture history. No, mash-up. I'm not
0: tearing it up for this. Don't. Uh, you're going to get to the point where people just don't listen to it because you tell them to listen to it all the time. So you should go opposite. Don't listen to "We Didn't Start the Fire," a podcast produced by Crowd Network and done by Tom Fordyce and Katie Puckrick. Have I said it right? Yeah,
2: perfect. That's ideal.
0: Should we talk about sleep, Joe? Are you a man who likes his sleep? I love my sleep. I'm not entirely sure I get enough of it. I'd say I'm about, like, five hours. Is that all? I'm a night owl and an early riser. So i will probably go to bed about, like, 11, half 11. And then more often than not, I have to get up at five. Actually, that's six hours.
2: What are you? I'm very much an early riser. You rise early, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always rise early. I know what you're trying yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we might pick up on that with our sleep expert. Yeah, 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 good. And I don't think there's a better way of selling what's coming up than that.
0: <laughs> Today's guest is a sleep expert. His name is James Wilson, but he also goes by the name
1: the sleep
0: geek. James, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, very good, thank you. Tom, no, I'm not doing this again. I do it <laughs> I have to do it all the time now. You it's almost like you're purposely leaving a gap. <laughs> like i i don't mind awkwardness i in fact i thrive on it i relish it in awkward silences but it seems to me that every time i introduce a guest you purposely leave a longer pause than necessary for the listener the most listeners might not like the awkwardness and they don't like the talk about awkwardness even now and now you've made me talk about awkwardness so stop being awkward just say hello to james
2: the sleep geek i mean i'd like to say hello if you stop talking <laughs> good <laughs> hey james touche hello James, I've got a very simple but slightly weird question to start
1: this off. What time do you go to bed, James? Generally, between half nine and 11. I'm more larkish in my, in my sleep type. So I am a, I'm a sort of, in middle, but a bit of a preference for larkishness. If I want to go to bed with Mrs. Sleep Geek, she's, she's more of an elf, so She actually, she's more like half 10 till 12. So we'll go to bed between half 10 and 11 if we, if we wish to go to bed together, which we do because, you know, we love each other. But, um, that, that's generally. <laughs> <laughs> what time I would go to bed, about half past ten. Does that
0: matter? See, I worry about this, that even if you get the seven to eight hours sleep that is apparently recommended...
1: That's often what we talk about, but actually everyone's different. And sleep need is as much about quality as it is about quantity, which, which, which probably is probably the question you're going to ask because it's it's not just about how much, it's about how good was the sleep you got.
0: Well, that's interesting then. The question I was going to ask, does it matter what time you go to bed? Someone's told me, I'm sure they said... Even if I go to bed at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and then I get up at 8 and I still get my 8 hours, which hasn't happened in at least 8 years for me, they're like, oh, you're still going to get shit sleep because you went to bed so late. I'm like, what do you mean? My body doesn't know that it's 12 o'clock
1: at night, does it? So internally we've got a little clock and that clock is different for everyone. Everyone's clock is it sort of gives them a preference on like a, a line. So some, at one end of the line you've got like extreme larks who'd be going to bed probably between 8 and 10 getting up between four and six and then you've got owls at the other end who go to bed after 11 and get up after eight so we all sit on that line we move along that line as we go through life so between 13 and your mid-20s you're more likely to be a, a night owl and getting to sleep at that 90 minute window of opportunity for you will lead you to fall asleep probably sooner and also having the impression that you've stayed asleep all night although nobody sleeps through the night everybody wakes up during the night but it is better for you to understand your sleep type when I'm working with people on their poor sleep, we start with that. Who are you as a sleeper? And we start with, you know, what is your sleep type? Are you a lark? Are you an owl? Are you somewhere in the middle? Everyone wakes up, Joe. It's not blowing your mind. Everyone
2: wakes up in the night. I've got no recollection of this. Yeah, it is. What do you mean everyone's waking up?
1: So everyone wakes up three to six times a night. You're you coming out of your sleep cycle. It's part of our defense mechanism from when we had predators. So you're coming out to check to make sure you're safe. Now, when you're sleeping well, you just turn over and go back to sleep. When you're sleeping poorly, you start thinking, you know, about work, kids, relationships, that embarrassing thing you did five years ago that you think this is the time I'm going to th- two o'clock in the morning is the time I'm going to think about my failure that's the way we're designed so good sleepers who sort of say yeah sleep through the night they don't they just don't remember waking poor sleepers when we're sleeping poorly we will wake up and we, we will remember it because our body kicks in our sort of stress hormones start to function and we are at, at our most vulnerable during the night when you sleep well you don't remember waking those six times when you sleep poorly you might remember every single one. To fall back to sleep or to ensure that you don't remember those awakenings, it's about dropping your heart rate. It's about being relaxed. It's about you knowing you're, you're at one with the world. You're, you're emotionally and physically secure. When you're like that, you're more likely to stay asleep or feel like you've stayed asleep. And, and if you do wake up, that's the state you're looking to get back into. Is it true,
2: James? I read something ages ago which blew my mind, and that was that actually we didn't used to have one big long sleep during the night, so until the advent of artificial lighting obviously some people had candles but candles aren't a great way of staying awake <laughs> so is it true that people used to drop off asleep pretty much a couple of hours after it got dark and then get about four hours kip and then have this really nice little interval in the middle of the night where you'd all naturally wake up and apparently Joe, you'd all just sit around and have a little chin wag in the middle of the night and then you'd go right i'm ready for the second sleep good night everyone and you'd have a second
0: sleep what i want to live in that time
1: when was that time Take me there. Yeah, I think it's during the Middle Ages. It happened, but it's that's more about the external environment than it is about our biology. You know, if we didn't have electricity, we, it's getting dark at 4 o'clock and getting light again at maybe 8 o'clock. You're not designed to sleep for that long. So, so we used to do what you said. You know, we might fall asleep at 5, 6 o'clock, have a couple of hours, have a wake-up. You know, there weren't much to do. So you know, <laughs> we, we didn't have TV. We didn't have any devices. couldn't didn't even have books. All you could do was talking, you know, the other thing. And, and that's what people did. I'm going to ask you the most obvious question, and it
0: may come across stupid. However, I am stupid, so that's why it comes across
1: like that. Why do we need sleep? What does sleep do for us? What's the point in it? Oh, sleep's amazing. Um, Sleep is physically repairing you. So during the first two and sort of a half, three hours of sleep, you're having slow-wave sleep, known as non-mem stage three sleep, or deep sleep, and that's where you physically repair. We then move into REM sleep, and during REM sleep, we are consolidating memory. When we're at school and we think, it's fine, I'll just cram all the revision in the night before, not go to sleep and do the exam. That's pointless, because sleep is the part of your day where you remember what's happened and you put things in the right category in your brain. And then, I think the most important part of sleep is, is where we emotionally sort of consolidate it's like an overnight counseling session it's where we are working through what's happened during the day emotionally and putting those into the, the right place for us this is why at the moment with covid where we're little, we've got heightened stress levels people are having things like more vivid dreams and people are having more disturbed sleep because that overnight counseling session is probably going on for a little bit longer and it's that part of sleep REM sleep we are more likely to wake during REM sleep and if we are sleeping poorly it's that part of sleep we don't get and this is the connection between sleep and mental health that when we're sleeping poorly it does affect our emotional resilience and you know this because there'll be times in your life where you sleep fine someone's annoying you you can take it sleep poorly someone's annoying you you are good to go you keep saying rem
0: everybody hurts sometimes sometimes
2: what's the next bit Take comfort with your friends.
0: Everybody cries. REM, James, what does it actually mean apart from the band with the bald guy?
1: Uh, rapid eye movement. So during that, that stage of sleep, your eyes are, are moving quite quickly. That's the stage where you generally remember your dreams. And you remember your dreams when you have woken quite close to dreaming. Tom, do you remember
2: any of the best dreams you've had? Or do you just not remember them? I can generally remember all my dreams. I have this weird thing, Joe, where when I wake up, the dream is really vivid. And then when I go back to bed that night, it's almost like I've left a little aroma to dream on the pillow. And as my head hits the pillow, some of the the, the colour and the detail of the previous night's dream comes back. Wow, that is cool.
0: What about the time where... Because I do love sleeping, and I could sleep on a bed of nails. I could just think, does that mean... I'm sleep-deprived. Someone who could sleep anywhere, does it usually mean that they're sleep-deprived?
1: I would... If someone says that to me, that's that's often the first question you ask. Is there any other symptoms that you might be sleep-deprived? So if, if we're saying you could fall asleep at 11 o'clock in the morning, sat in a car driving somewhere, that would suggest to me that there might be some sleep deprivation. So excessive daytime sleepiness. So something where, you know, you wouldn't normally fall asleep. You might, you might watch, start watching homes on the underarm at half 10. If you fall asleep then, then, then that would be something we'd, we'd, we'd worry about. I think mostly because you, you should be your most alert and active at 10, 11 in the morning. So in terms of your body clock, which we talked about earlier in terms of sleep type, you should be your most alert then. So when I'm working with people and we're trying to work out how much sleep do they need, we're looking at like, how much good quality sleep do you need to feel alert and active at about 10, 11 in the morning? People are a bit obsessed with tracking sleep and, you know, like getting really obsessed with, I need to have eight hours, 45 minutes and 13 seconds because otherwise my, my, my tracker tells me that I'm really bad. Actually, sleep's not really like that. It's more, you know, it's that combination of quality and quantity and it's a feeling. You can't make yourself fall asleep at oh, past 10. Nobody can. You can't fall asleep. But sleepy is a feeling and you need to understand what sleepy feels like. And you also need to understand what being awake feels like. And if you feel a bit lethargic at a time you should feel awake, then, then that's an indicator you've got a bit, you might have a bit of a sleep issue.
0: I don't know if you've experienced this, but I often find myself late at night where I think I've fallen asleep, but then I think I'm awake and I'm not sure whether I'm awake or asleep. And then I, I always get this shadowy figure come across the room or someone's in the room or I've got this presence, like almost like a ghost. And I'm not, I don't believe in ghosts and all that. So, you know, I'm very much a skeptic and stuff, but I get scared to death thinking that there's a burglar in the house and I can't get up. It's like I'm trapped, like the paralysis, sleep paralysis. That's what it feels like. But it's so vivid that I think someone is standing over the bed and I shit myself. And I'm like, I'm trying really hard to wake myself up, wake myself up. But I think I am awake. So, James, I'm asking for a little bit of clarity, really, on what the fuck is happening to me at at night. Or is there someone actually in my house?
1: There's not someone in your house. That's the good news. Um, It is sleep paralysis. So during REM sleep, one thing we've not talked about during REM sleep is that we are actually paralysed to stop us acting out our dreams. So when the paralysis switches off, but we're still asleep, that's sleepwalking. And when the paralysis stays on, but we wake up, that's sleep paralysis. And your brain's thinking, why can't I move? And that's why it imagines something, something scary and horrific because it's trying to sort of make an explanation as to why you can't move and it hallucinates something. So quite a common phenomena. Most of us will suffer from it at some point in our lives. But I've, I, I worked with a, a lady who was who was um, suffering from it and it, like six, seven times a night and every morning she'd send me recordings of her responding to the process. So about half six, I'd wake up and I'd get like seven messages of her screaming and running out of the room as she finally sort of comes out. Not the best way to wake up, if I'm honest. Um, so the, these are known as Pam- Somnios, whether it's sleepwalking, sleep talking, whether it's sexomnia, whether it's Pardon? sleep eating, sorry. whether it's sorry, s- sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. You can't speak at 100 miles an hour, drop in sexomnia, and just not expect me to jump on that. Stop. Tell me more about sex somnia.
1: Well, sexomnia is like sleepwalking, but rather than sleepwalking, you are trying to get a bit um sexual, enjoy enjoying <laughs> sleep. So it's quite an interesting one. I, I work a lot in organizations and I was talking about sex onion. and a girl in the audience sort of like put her hand up and said, yeah, I've got that. And then kind of really vividly explained what she did to a boyfriend during And it were quite, no, it were, it were, it were, 18 plus. It were pretty blue. Um, and you've never seen a room full of people's jaws drop at one while, while she's kind of like going into too much detail about what she did to a boyfriend. Um, so I would always say with sex Omnia, if, if you do suffer me, it you know, I always say to people drop me a line but we, we, we don't always have to go into the, to the, to the brutal details what happens but it's, it's, it's also you know, it, we can laugh about it but it's also something that has happened where people have been accused of rape have been convicted of rape because of it so it's, it's, not, it's, it's really horrible for the people who suffer from it because they feel quite shameful and guilty and I, I've, I've had other people when I've done a talk who will come up and have a chat about it and, and that's what it feels so it's one of those ones where it's when you've got sleep problems you feel quite lonely it's quite a lonely thing and suffers sex on me that's one of them because they do feel embarrassed you know you don't want to you know, and they are worried because if it's a new partner and one of the first conversations I've got to have is I do this and, and some people can be a bit like judgy on that and be sort of um, well there must be something wrong with you and, and it, all it is is in your sleep part of the brain is waking up and another part of the brain is not and you get this sort of this effect of sleepwalking sleep talking. I had a lady who would carry her child around the house I've had people who would shop during the night shop how? <laughs> shop so they go online and they'd order things on ebay and she'd order, things, she'd order things, like a canoe cover, but she ain't got a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because, like, you know, you, uh, people think when I tell that story, oh yeah, Chinny Reckon, we've all, we've all used that excuse. But, it, it, you know, she, she didn't, she didn't want to do that. Her husband would hide the credit card, but she'd be trying to find it. If she hid the credit card. Well, she knows where it is because she hid it. You know, I don't think we fully understand the process of dreaming. We don't understand the process of parasomnias. There's a lot of stuff around lucid dreaming and stuff like that. It's not something I know, I know too much about, but people are trying to control our dreams. And, and one of the sort of treatments for PTSD... Is dream completion therapy, which is a really sort of like interesting way of so when people are having like horrific dreams based on a horrific experience, one of the sort of the, the treatment that's could be more and more prominent is to actually f- help them finish those dreams and, and come to a conclusion, which, which which helps their recovery from the the, the quite traumatic thing that they've, they've experienced. Joe, did you ever have nightmares as a kid? Do you still have nightmares?
0: Yeah, I do still have nightmares. I obviously I spoke about it briefly on the cheese monger episode that I would eat cheese before bed copious amounts not just because i have a very large appetite but because i was also still trying to get all this casein and whey that's in the cheese and the zinc and the magnesium whatever that is actually used to give you more vivid dreams or i'd take certain tablets to make me more vivid dreamer um acid <laughs> acid i have looked into. <laughs> i have looked into people taking acid and mushrooms to try and improve their depression, actually, Tom, all jokes aside. can microdose
2: us. Yeah, and I
0: watched a program on that where guys were taking acid and mushrooms, microdosing, like you said, and tripping out on it, and they were videoing it. I was like, what the fuck? Because it could bypass the synapses or something. Anyway, that's completely off subject. The question was, do I dream or have nightmares? Did I have nightmares? Yes, when I was little, I mistakenly put VHS in the video player. I was about five or six, thinking that it was Thomas the Tank Engine. It wasn't. It turned out to be Child's Play. Uh, Oh, no. So Chucky the Doll haunted my childhood dreams. That was what I grew up with. I still have the occasional trip with Chucky the Doll. But as a kid also, my sisters used to have these, like, China-faced dolls, like older ones. Oh, God, yeah. They'd have quite a few. But because I was going through this phase... I just went round and smashed all the dolls' faces because I thought they came alive at night because of the same as Chucky. So maybe all these heirlooms that could make people gazillionaires these days have got all smashed faces because of it. So they were my nightmares. What about you? Do you Have you experienced many nightmares? or?
2: Yeah, I, st- I still have nightmares. And maybe the greatest single thing that happened to me as a kid was learning the trick of being able to wake yourself up out of a nightmare when you're about to be eaten by a fox or a wolf or something and you're absolutely shitting yourself. Learning the ability to go, this is a dream. I can wake up and being able to wake up was maybe the greatest discovery I ever made as a kid. It was an absolute game changer. How did you do that? As I don't know, James, what's going on there?
1: Well, I think it's probably the physical response to the fear you've got where actually you start coming out of sleep quite quickly because your body's like, Oh my God, it will be vivid and your body will feel that. So often when we are in those like horrible, running away from something something's after us something's attacking us we'll wake up and your body learns that the best response to this to stop this horrible thing happening is to come out of sleep in that process you're telling yourself i have woke up here and i know what's happening you have dreams that you remember which is during REM sleep but also during deep sleep you can have Something that looks like a dream. So, in kids in particular, there's something called night terrors. Yeah, night terrors are, or when maybe your eyes are wide open, you're screaming like a blood curdling scream. Like, if you're in the room with someone going through a night terror, it, it looks like they're, they're possessed. And then if you ask me in the morning, like, what on earth were you doing? They're like, oh, I don't I was asleep. Like, what, what, what on earth were you doing? And they are quite common in kids. They're 80, 90 percent of kids suffer from that at some point, and they can be quite horrific, and, and so when we talk about sleepwalking there are two sort of different types There is sleepwalking where in REM sleep where you'll probably remember it and you're acting something out and then there's the sort of same thing happens in deep sleep but you don't remember and again i had a colleague who's a, who a neurologist and he had a work with a lady who would drive during deep sleep and she wouldn't she would not be able to remember it and she would you be drive. fully clothed she'd be eyes wide open and neighbors would see him and say oh uh you were out last night three o'clock in the morning what are you doing she can't remember it. She'd give him away for everything. And, yeah. and again, I wouldn't understand the, of why that's happening. He's not fully formed. Full. This is the thing we sleep. We don't understand it in the same way we understand other things around well-being like nutrition and exercise. It's a really magical world. And for her, it was time lock saves. That saved her because she could put her car keys in that. Because again, like the lady with the credit card, she hides the keys. She, she knows where they are. The actual triggers and the reason people, there's genetics to it. So often if you've done that, your kids will do it or your, your parents have done it. But then there are triggers. So it's being stressed and anxious is probably the main one, but also something like temperature. So when kids have night terrors, often it's just that they're too warm. We have, we have a tendency to like really overheat our children when it comes to sleep. And, and that's a really big trigger. Alcohol, alcohol a big trigger for sleepwalking and, and things like that. So you'll often read in the newspapers, like someone's gone sleepwalking when they're on holiday and the, you've got temperature and you've got alcohol there. And they've maybe never slept well in their life before, but the external environment's created a, a set of uh, circumstances that, that triggers them, and and they've, they've wandered off and they've fallen off a balcony. And it's one of the really, really horrible things. Now, often, you'll read the story, and they'll have fallen 40 foot, but they've survived. Because, obviously, they're asleep. So when they hit the floor, they're quite relaxed. You know, they do break every bone in the body, but they are quite relaxed when they do it. So its it can be something that, generally, you'll have had all your life if you suffer from it. It does happen, seems to happen more, when, we, when our hormones are changing. So when we're teenagers... And then for women around the menstrual cycle, they'll, they'll happen more. And then when they, the menopause, it can happen more. But it's, it's a, I'd say it's definitely genetic. The one interesting thing about sleepwalkers that I meet, they have a tendency to sleep naked. I'm looking at a company again and a, a girl in the audience like, yeah, I sleepwalk. I often end up in my neighbor's garden naked. All like, oh, right. oh, the, you take your clothes off as part of the sleepwalking. Oh, no, know I sleep naked. All right, maybe, maybe don't do that then if you. <laughs> if you don't want to give your neighbour a nice little treat <laughs> as he wakes up in the morning. Um, so it's quite a common phenomenon that I meet a lot of sleepwalkers who seem to sleep naked, and I, and I reckon they, they proper fancy themselves um, and they're looking <laughs> to give us all a little treat.
0: Tom, do you remember our phone call this morning? What did, I can't remember what Daisy was saying, but she, I'm sure she said she had a friend... That um would sleepwalk, but his go-to was uh, he'd get up and get fully kitted out in his cricket whites and his padding oh, yeah. and he'd be out in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> in the garden. And then he'd just go
1: back to bed and you'd be like, What the fuck? This isn't possible. These are made-up stories, surely. In sports it's really common. I do a lot of work in sports and I have, you know, I have goalkeepers who get who get again, get fully like togged up and like <laughs> jumping on the bed in the hotel catching catching the ball. I've got uh, a footballer who heads the ball in his sleep. <laughs> well, I, I, had, I had a lady who, who would make sandwiches in her sleep, um, but not eat them. And so her, her husband would come down every morning, and there'd be a nice sandwich waiting for him. He <laughs> were gutted when, when we solved that problem. It's a dream scenario. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, weren't, he weren't best pleased when we managed to uh, to stop her doing it. I've got a mate, and I'm not
2: going to say his name, but people who know me and listen to this will know who I'm talking about, who so there'll be some trigger in his brain, it seems, that tells him he needs a pee. But... It, the other part of his brain says that as long as he's doing an approximation of lifting a toilet seat then he can urinate so down the years <laughs> when he was a teenager and he had an old fashioned stereo in his room he hit the eject button on his tape deck pissed in his tape deck <laughs> his girlfriend at the time had seen him wake up or appear to wake up walk to her pants drawer pull open her pants drawer and piss on her pants <laughs> he um <laughs> he's done the corner of the room a number of times and on a stag do He famously in the corridor, pissing in the corridor of the hotel, and then sort of woke up once the piss had finished and realised that he not only was he naked, that he didn't have his room key, but he couldn't remember which room he was in. Oh, no. And had to go down to reception (laughs) naked, where the man at reception had seen it all happening on CCTV and just silently pushed a new key across to him. He's had a stinker.
1: It is really common. I've, I've had people just having a wee downstairs. i actually mate a fan at school It was like, what? What are you doing? I'm having a wee quite clearly. Um, I've, everyone's got a friend. I've got my, one of my mates he, uh When we go in and stag do, he, he's got a tendency to like move beds around and start digging holes in the middle of the, uh, the hotel room. I once woke up to him with like him sort of looming over me with his hands halfway up my legs. And I'm opening on his way up, not his way down when I caught him, but he were, <laughs> he were you're right there. Yeah. yeah. You're going to go back to sleep. I am, yeah. And, and he, he went back to sleep, but it's, it is, I think it's more common than we actually realize. And we, we do laugh about it. And it is, I think when I do any sort of media, when I've done TV programs, stuff like that, it's always a thing that we like focus on for sleep issues, but people aren't sleeping when it happens. And it is, there are things we can do, like I've described. It's sort of addressing what the actual trigger might be. Are we a bit stressed? Is it temperature? Is it caffeine? Is it alcohol? And can we start to minimize them triggers? And, and what often happens is when it's really bad. So the lady I was talking about who would walk around a house with a kid in her arms, she just didn't want to go to sleep because she didn't want to, you know, she didn't know where she'd end up with a kid. And she's going up and downstairs with him and she was worried. And she was actually looking to have another child. And, you know, one kid in your arms, that's quite easy. Two kids, no, how, how are you going to hold them both? It'd be, it'd be quite difficult. So, so with her, it was sort of, it, we're looking at her triggers where her, her husband snored. And, and she got quite warm during the night and we just sort of reduced that, that temperature and we put a, a topper on that allowed you to set the temperature and that, that really helped. And she went from like six, seven times a night at it its worst to once a month. Cause it's not a thing you cure. It is there. It's part of you, but, but it's minimizing. It's trying your best. And, and in the worst case now is often you then go and see a neurologist and, and there are drug treatments that can, that can occur. If it's happening every single night, then it's worth trying to do something about it.
0: We've obviously made quite lighthearted of, uh, dreams and sleepwalking and, all that sort of stuff. But there is a, there's a couple of examples of darker tales, particularly in America, because, I mean, it always happens in America, let's be honest. All the crazy stuff happens in America. And there's been a couple of cases where people have sleep-killed, or there's been a couple of cases where they've managed to use it as a defence when it was actually not a legitimate defence, and they've got off. But there's also sadder cases where someone has actually... Uh, there's a guy here who's called Scott Fallater. Who is just stricken with guilt because he murdered his wife during his sleep? And what? that that that's scary as shit, isn't it? Because he ends he ends up stabbing her several times, waking up, and he has no recollection of doing it at all. And that's like, oh fuck, are we ever actually in control of ourselves during during our sleep? Like our mind must surely be taken over by our mind. I mean, that sounds stupid saying it out loud, but.
1: But it'd be right, it is, you know, during sleep, our brain is more active than it is during the day. It's got so much to do. It's really, really busy. So that's why we need it. You know, the, the first question you ask is why do we need sleep? It's because it's got lots and lots of work to do to help us recover. It, it's the biggest tool for physical and emotional recovery. And I think in those cases, generally, if if you're using sort of a parasomnia defense, you, you, you've got to have done it before. It can't be your first time that you've done it. And and there are, you know, there are experts who, th- that's their job, mm-hmm. to go around the world to work out whether these people have sort of suffered a parasomnia episode or whether it's a calculated attempt to avoid avoid a crime that's been committed. Joe,
2: we'll talk about insomnia and Rotherham's top shagger in a moment. But first, we've got to do the ads. The Zimmerman, that's Philip Hans Zimmer, would like Joe to bring back his X Factor voice to introduce the adverts. Joe, would you mind? This is for you, Philip Hans Zimmer. The adverts come now. The adverts are coming Here come the adverts Right, this week's official sponsors All backrolling the Sham Patron Include Return Mac, Mackenzie Remington He's Not Dead James Dean Benners The poorly nicknamed Peter Bennett The Swindler Joss Swindles On my first whistle Tom Anderson
0: president christopher bartlett that's bad C- president christopher bartlett
2: super skin, matthew ruskin also known as foreskin <laughs> bad joke bad bad lord southworth dave southworth and the joystick ben joyce To be more
0: like Ben, Dave, Matthew, Christopher, Tom, Joss, Peter, James and Mac, get the Patreon app, search for The Joe Marla Show and grow the show.
2: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.
0: Beneath the veneer of the everyday lurks the realm of the spy. From Wondery, I'm Raza Jaffrey. This is The Spy Who. The podcast exploring true spy stories you were never meant to hear with secret operatives playing to very different rules. We'll reveal the invisible work of the world's intelligence services, unearthing daring missions packed with danger, deceit and double-crosses. Follow The Spy Who wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: What about the opposite of sleep, James? So I think Joey's probably a good sleeper. I'm usually a decent sleeper but I'm absolutely fascinated and I think horrified as well by not only the idea of insomnia, but the torture. Proper insomnia is torture, isn't
1: it? It is, and that's so why I, I do this job because I'm a poor sleeper. I'm genetically a poor sleeper. My mum was a poor sleeper. My grandpa was a poor sleeper. And I had those sort of, in my, in my teenage years in particular, in my early 20s, there was, there was like 2,000 nights, night for night after night, that, that, that loneliness of insomnia, that that fear, the adrenaline you can taste. For me, the issue was that my family made beds and mattresses and sold beds and mattresses so I, were, I, were, no, I was from a third, a third generation mattress and bed person and I couldn't sleep and that's not a good advert is it? What? Because would you buy a mattress off a man who can't sleep? <laughs> no was often the answer yes
0: sir please buy the mattress it's definitely going to help you sleep tonight i haven't slept in 10 years but don't worry about me just buy the mattress give me the money now
1: motherfucker and that's it absolutely i I, I wouldn't tell anyone because for that exact reason no one's going to buy a mattress off me are they but i came really interesting because i was in an industry that that like sold sleep but didn't really understand sleep very well you know mattresses aren't really designed in a way that thinks about sleep first often like I worked around sleep experts and they're often quite patronizing. They'd be like, well, here's the eight things you need to do. I'll, I've done them, but I can't sleep. Yeah, but you can't do them right. Cause I'm a doctor and you're not. So you must be you as a problem, not me. And as he sort of often sleeps approached, like nutrition and exercise, like you can force it. You can, you can make yourself better at it. And, any poor sleeper will tell you the harder you try to sleep, the, the worse it gets. So I, you know, I, I experienced that in my, um, in my sort of teenagers, in my, in, in my early twenties and I trained as a practitioner and part of it was for me to get better. And I think the one thing I've, I've realized I am, I am who I am. I, I don't always sleep well, but I, I know generally why I haven't, you know, if I have a cup of tea overnight I had a cup of tea at about seven o'clock. And at four o'clock the next morning, I woke up and thought, I shouldn't have had that cup of tea. That for me, that's too late. But sometimes I do, you know, life is is to be lived. You have to be a little bit rock and roll. You have to have a cup of tea at seven o'clock sometimes. (laughs) That's what you have to do. Whoa, you steady on. You go, you're steady. (laughs) Um, In some, it is a horrible, horrible experience. And And one of the, the issues is that where we go for support within our health system, general medical degrees include about an hour and a half of sleep training. So something that we all do, something that we will die without. You can live longer without food than you can without sleep. Something that is fundamental really? to his living. What? You can last about nine days without sleep. You can last about 19 without food. Nine days? And we know this because there's a, there's a family um, with a genetic disorder called fatal familial insomnia. They have a, a genetic mutation, which means that they, they die from lack of sleep. And so during the last six months of their life, they go through sort of like an Alzheimer's dementia type condition very quickly. And at the end of that, they just don't go to sleep and and the body ends up shutting down. So when you ask, why do we need sleep? Because if we didn't get it, nine days later, we'd be dead.
0: Right. So you're saying I can't live without sleep.
1: It's like say you can live without breathing. It's that fundamental. It's food, water, air, and sleep that are four things that we need. But to get help around sleep is incredibly difficult. Often, incredibly difficult. And that's that's that's. So when you are a poor sleeper, you do feel lonely. You feel lost, and you'll go to your GP and often they'll look at other things. So they'll look at, have you got a deficiency in like vitamin D, vitamin B? Have you got, have you got deficiencies in iron? Have you got chronic fatigue syndrome? Have you got ME? And, And actually they don't often look at sleep issues. There's sleep disorders like sleep apnea, which is a breathing disorder. There's things like restless leg syndrome, but there is, for most of us, it's poor sleep, but also that type of chronic insomnia is different to kind of sleeping poorly. I don't think unless you've had periods of, sustained periods of poor sleep, you don't really understand what that feels like to drag yourself out of bed. But the one thing for poor sleepers to remember and insomniac to remember is there might be rubbish at sleeping, but they are world-class at being tired. So what we do as poor sleepers, we'll tell ourselves (laughs) at 2 o'clock in the morning, oh, I'm going to be awful tomorrow. But those people get through it. They always get through it. They always do. So it's sort of changing your mindset. For me, I know that, I'm a poor sleeper and I will have peers of poor sleep, but I always get through it. So I'm all right. And the actual best thing for good night's sleep tonight is a bad night last night because sleep is a drive. So the system that creates sleep from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep, you are getting sleepier. But this is why we fall asleep at silly times. This is why, you know, you'll be, you'll be sat watching homes on the ammo at half nine in the morning and you fall asleep or you're in a car and you fall asleep, you know, because your body needs it. So as soon as you give it the conditions it needs for sleep, dropping heart rate, dropping core temperature, it'll, it'll find sleep. It'll, it'll try and get it.
0: Why do I nod off, say about six o'clock, and I have about twenty, thirty minutes nap in front of the TV with the kids or something, and I've nodded off, but then I wake up and then I can't sleep. I've only had twenty minutes, and then I can't get to sleep. Why does having that nap cure my tiredness?
1: It does. It reduces that sleep pressure. So if you think about it, like that pressure is like a bottle of pop. You have a little nap, it releases the pressure a little bit. Shh. So you end up like not being as sleepy at night time. So naps are often used. As an energy boost, they're great for productivity, but for some people, they can pinch nighttime sleep. So if we're napping, generally, nap before 2 p.m., less likely to cause a problem, for about 30 minutes because you, you're then not going to deep sleep. And some people nap and they say, don't they, oh, I can't nap. I feel so groggy when I wake up from a nap. They're just doing it for the wrong amount of time. Because if you nap for between 30 minutes and an hour and a half, you're probably going to wake up in deep sleep. So, so, But I'd also argue if you're napping for more than an hour and a half, that's not a nap, that's a sleep. And, and again, this is a problem I come across quite a lot where I had a lady I was talking to in an organisation and she was like, I can't stand why I can't fall asleep at 11 o'clock, James, I can't stand it. All right, well, take me through what you do from when you get home from work. Well, I get in, I put my pyjamas on, I go to bed at half past five and I'll, I sleep till half past nine. <laughs> then I have my tea and then I go back to bed at half past ten and I can't get to sleep and I don't know why. And then I fall asleep at two and I wake up at six. I don't know why. And it's like, well, that's because you just had that massive, what you call a nap at the wrong time. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting when what we, what we describe a nap as and naps can be really useful. I work with shift workers. I work with sports people. They work for both those audiences, for some of both those audiences.
0: So the perfect nap time you're saying is between 20 minutes and an hour. Well,
1: the research actually shows the perfect nap time is 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Um, between sort of 10 minutes and 30 minutes for that energy boost. If you want to have something a bit longer, try and aim for more than an hour and a half. In between those two times, if you wake up between 30 minutes and an hour and a half, you are likely to wake up feeling pretty awful.
0: In, a, in our scheduling, when we'd go away in England camps, I mean, this is how regimented some things are sometimes. After lunch, there'd be a specific nap time and it would be recommended that we have a coffee, even an espresso, usually espresso, or double espresso, and then get into bed and nap for about half an hour And I was like, what do you mean have a coffee and then go for a nap? And they would say, yeah, because it's brilliant. That's the sort of perfect time for then the coffee to then kick in. So it doesn't kick in straight away. You can get your head down, get some rest. You can do the learnings of the session we've just done. You can do the physical um, response to the training session we've just done as well. And then you're alert to then go again for the afternoon
1: session. Does that make sense? It does. It does it in theory. So, what, what, what you describe is known as a nappuccino. So, you have a nice, it's got a name.
0: A, I like it. A nappuccino. Yes. Yeah, So,
1: it, but, the, but the issue with it is working sport gets quite a lot where it, not everyone needs a nap at that time and some people don't. And actually, so the people who didn't need a nap, what, what you're giving them is a shot of caffeine that probably. <laughs> at some point in the next sort of couple of hours, they're gonna have a bit of a crash after it, and it, it hasn't done the thing it needs to do. Because working in sport, you know that it's often like, here's X, Y, and Z. If you do these three things, you're gonna get this out, this thing happen. And sleep doesn't work like that. Sleep doesn't meet. So when I when I've worked in in sport, I did a, a first of all measured sleep intervention in football with Rotherham United, and at first, just they all start competing. Like, oh James, I've had 16 hours sleep, I'm I'm winning. Well, no, you have had too much. That's cute. Hang on, to, to you to can have it. too much sleep. Oh yeah, you can definitely have too much. What, sleep. D-
0: does having too much sleep? hinder you as much as having not enough sleep.
1: Yeah, in exactly the same way. So so your body is in, in a sleep mode when you're asleep. So all your major organs are in sleep mode. You put your body into that sleep mode for too long. And actually the w- worst than too little or too much is actually massive variations. So the so if you have massive variations in sleep, that will affect those major organs. Because if for most of the week you're having six and a half hours sleep and then at the weekend you're lying in 10 11 hours, well your body has lots to do during sleep and it's done it in six and a half hours. And then you give it an extra sort of four hours sleep, that that's poor quality sleep. It's done its jobs. You, but your body's still in that that sleep mode. So your major organs are still in that sleep mode. So you're putting them into sleep mode for too long. It's harder to get going. So often at the weekend you'll find you have more sleep but feel more lethargic. And that's why. Because your body doesn't need more sleep. It needs consistent sleep to, to operate efficiently.
0: Why i w I've got i n I've got a note on my notes, funnily enough. Um that says Ask James about Rotherham's Top Shagger. So, um, is this sleep related or James related? I don't care. I need to know.
1: You've met Rotherham's Top Shagger, have you? It was self proclaimed. The, the, the young man in question was self proclaimed Rotherham's Top Shagger. I ran a, a sleep shop. We sold mattresses and uh, I went to deliver a mattress. And, uh, I went to collect the other mattress and all springs, you could hear all springs in it, it were rattling about. And I sort of rattled and went, What's happened here? He looked at me and went, Rotherham's Top Shagger. <laughs> so, there you go. That's how you know. If you can all your springs in your bed, it makes you a top shagger. I suspect from the vibe he weren't, to be honest. I, I, I weren't getting that vibe off him, but, and it is like, because selling sleep products, sometimes that you have some very strange experiences. You know, I've sold a lot, a lot of red uh, silk bedding to addresses in Ills Court at one point. Um, well, I'm not going to suggest what, what the, what the jobs of the, the people buying that bedding might have been. But I think, I think we'll, I'll think probably sell him silk bedding prostitutes. I used to have a flat in Hell's Court. <laughs> Just saying, they're my favourite type of sheets. You bought a lot of them, Geoffrey, were you? We had lots of bedrooms. it's quite an intimate thing, sleeping. It's quite intimate. So people do sort of share with you. I, I worked with a, a lady who was going to the menopause and her husband had sleep apnea. And they have not been getting on. She's like, he's annoying, I hate him. Um, <laughs> he's sleeping in another room, I hate him. And we, and sort of, we went through a process of kind of like getting him sleeping better. And she, she sent me an email to tell me like, well, it's like weird. I, it used to be a knobhead, but now I love him. Um, they're, still, they're sleeping better. So, you know, that makes your, your relationship better. But then she graphically told me how the sex life had massively improved since. You're <laughs> that please, no. <laughs> you can't unread that though, can you?
0: This is what you're doing. You're helping the people in the things that really matter the most to them.
1: Oh, well, it is. And that is, that is the best thing about my job. I, I get to help people, um, sleep better, have better relationships, perform better in the jobs, be better parents. Um, and obviously. At times, I've better sex, so, you know, it's, a, it's all the it's all win. On that subject, James,
2: what's the story? Morning glory.
1: <laughs> good,
0: good. Always lowering the tone.
2: <laughs> why am
0: I getting morning glory? Why, why do I get morning glory?
1: I think it's around sort of testosterone levels at that time in the morning. And it might be the dreams that you're having that you've not quite remembered. In sport. And, and men in particular, sportsmen in particular, are fascinated around the world of sleep and sex. So I get asked lots of questions. My favourite one is always, can I masturbate before a match? Can I masturbate before bed? Never can I have sex, never that. Can I can I masturbate? <laughs> What's that got to do with sleep? I don't, well, Why relax- are they asking <laughs> a sleep expert about wanking? Surely they should be asking a wanking expert about wanking. <laughs> you would think, wouldn't you? But from a sleep point of view, I, I think it, 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 it doesn't do any harm. It relaxes you. That's good before bed. You know? It's yeah? like a, a nutritious
0: we had when we were... In the academy, coming through, this poor woman. <laughs> One of the boys went. Um, excuse me, Jane. Will it make a difference if I uh, masturbate before a game? Will it make me like less angry and like I shouldn't do it and thing? And she was like, "What?" And her go-to was also always everything in moderation. So she wasn't a very specific nutritionist like boys would ask can i have a domino's she'd go "Mm, everything in moderation yeah okay can i eat chocolate everything in moderation can i wank before a game everything in moderation what you're not giving me an answer (laughs) do i just half wank do i what do i do can i go full-blown sex like there's just no answers
1: I think, I think, I, my, my advice would be nothing too vigorous. So you want it to be like, you know, if you're having sex, it's your sort of average at best. If you, you, you're not, you're not pulling out your best moves night before a game. It's going to, that, that might cause a problem. So I think, I think you have got to think about, think about what you, what you're, uh, what you're getting up to before. What before, you're saying before, is right? don't
2: be a considerate lover, be a
1: selfish lover. Uh, well, you could, you could take it, yeah, you could take it that way, I suppose. That, that could be a way of, uh, of it. But I've always found it strange that no one would ask about sex. It would always be about my, you, you can have sex now. I can I? Can't have. Like as, if, as if, as if, that was off the table <laughs> the night, the night before
0: the okay. game. So, Tom, we've got a message from Melge Alloway. Do we want to ask it or do
2: we want to get it in there? Yeah, I like it because Melge is possibly our only listener in Holland or the Netherlands.
0: I'm going to ask you to pretend to be him because you do the better Dutch accent, if that's okay. So you read out his questions, please.
2: Okay, Joe, I have a question. Maybe you can pass this on to James Wilson, the sleep geek. Why do Buddhist monks wake up at four in the morning? Good.
1: Um, I've, I, I, you know, I've, I've had most sleep questions before. I've never had that one. I, I, a couple of, a couple of theories, um, not having talked to a Buddhist monk about their sleep. I can't say this for definite. It may be that it's, it's, it's light at that time where they are and they have no curtains. That could be a suggestion. It could be the alarm goes off at four o'clock and they're expected to, uh, to start their Buddhist monk day at that time. Uh, that, that, that would be my other, my other suggestion. There is a bit of a, in, 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 society, there is a bit of a, a, a misconception that, that being a lark is better that it makes you a better person, it makes you a winner. And actually, I'm, I, th- I, I am a lot of myself, um, so you'd think I would, I would be down with that idea, but no, because I think night owls often get perceived as being lazy, they get perceived as being as being like you know the dregs of society because they can't contribute until after 8 o'clock in the morning. And I do think that is wrong, so I, I would say, you know, just because a Buddhist monk wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning doesn't mean we should be waking up at 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And I, re- I read a lot about, sort of, I'm doing some work on sleep idols, there's this idea that, if we sleep like a celebrity or, or Jeff Bezos, for example, we will become them. And that's not true. So so Ronaldo, the uh, Christian Ronaldo, he allegedly has five naps a day. And every nap he has, he has clean bedding. What? Serena Williams has 12 hours. You know, Lionel Messi has five hours, plus a little bit of naps in between. Roger Federer has 10 or 11 or 12, whatever. You, it depends on what you read. And, and it ain't true. What they've all done, actually, is they've worked out what works for them. When, when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. This time, next day, loads of people putting stuff out and saying, Tom Brady goes to bed at half eight and wakes up at half six. Like, well, yeah, because in Tom Brady's world, Tom Brady is the man. I'm sure Tom Brady gets to dictate this sort of stuff. But if I said to Mrs. Sleek, I'm, I'm going to go to bed half eight and you can put kids to bed and I'll wake up at six and, and everyone needs to get with me because I'm the I'm the man. It ain't going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. So I think we <laughs> need to like work out what works for us, not not think somehow... Waking up at, at four in the morning makes us makes us successful. And, and if I was a billionaire, what I would be telling people is get up at four o'clock in the morning because that's more likely to keep me being a billionaire because they're all really tired. <laughs> good. So hopefully that's answered that question. I'm not sure if I answered it in, in, in the most direct way, but...
0: I like the fact that you've given it a really good go. <laughs> James, thank you so much, mate. It has been brilliant and fascinating, to, especially helping out all the shit questions that Tom mainly asked. Um <laughs> it's been great to have you on thank you so much mate
1: i've enjoyed it sleep well
0: oh no sweet dreams sweet dreams oh god no sweet
1: dreams can sound creepy though i used to use sweet dreams
0: it sounds all right when i'm saying it to my daughter sweet dreams because she always says sweet dreams but now that i've said it out loud to you i feel really weird and now i'm going to struggle saying it to my daughter because you've ruined it so if she has night terrors because she's got a weird dad saying sweet
1: dreams
0: I'm coming to you and blaming you, James.
1: Well, I stopped saying one of my mate. I spent on bombing emails from my mates, and she sent me an email back going, Don't ever do that again. That's <laughs> weird.
0: <laughs> sure.
2: I know I always say that, but I very much enjoyed that episode.
0: But yeah, when are we going to get to a point where you go, That was a really shit episode? Because it doesn't matter because it's at the end. So you're not offending the guests that you have on, and also you're not putting the listener off from tuning in because it's at the end so you you're more than welcome to say that is a shit
2: episode if you feel it but so i'm guessing you don't feel it i don't i'm worried that with your trust issues you you think i like too many of our episodes
0: have there been there's been one or two that i might have had to tell a couple of white lies at the end of it without you know there's some question marks around it but overall i've learned from those those ones But I really enjoyed James. I loved his enthusiasm. I loved the way he spoke about the job he does. And also, I was fascinated to know that me thinking I don't get enough sleep, like you're meant to get seven to eight hours sleep, that's the magic number too, you know, was complete bollocks. He said you get as much sleep as you need to, whatever suits you. I was like, that's brilliant. I feel a bit better about myself doing that.
2: Well, that's good. And if you've enjoyed it as much as Joe and I, you want to support the show, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. If you want another podcast to listen to, search for Murder in House 2. It's a 10-part series about the Haditha Massacre in Iraq, where 24 innocent civilians were killed, many of them women and children. It's a podcast that took 15 years to make, and it takes you inside the most expensive criminal investigation in the history of the US military. Go and listen to it. It's called Murder
0: in House 2. Who's on our next episode, then?
2: An I... Uh, we'll always love you we're meeting kevin costner next week one week soon in the interim joe we have a bodyguard
0: good yeah i've always wanted to meet big kev cheers
2: crowd network a place where you belong